The Orange FM. Welcome to another episode of Bad Wolf Radio, a discussion and review podcast all about Doctor Who. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with the man who went missing, but I just found him in a bush, Adam Farmer. <laughs> you didn't find me. I was there all the all, all the time, and the bush just magically disappeared, and ta-da, I've been here the entire time. You gotta love that part of the episode, right? Yeah, we're gonna, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, but hey, it's Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It, I have a hard time saying it's Halloween. I'm gonna break the magic right now and say it's the day before Halloween. It, okay. The, when this episode airs or posts, <laughs> I guess is what a podcast does. When this episode posts, it will be Halloween. Yes. So, happy Halloween! Happy Halloween on the verge of what is supposed to be some of the scariest episodes of Doctor Who. Well, darkest episodes of Doctor Who we've seen yet. So, do you get into Halloween? Do you dress up? Do you go out and get candy with the kids? Yeah, I I can say that um, I've become more and more a fan of Halloween ever since I've had my own kids. I was never a huge fan of it. Like the whole going up and on up to people's houses, knocking on doors, kind of freaked me out as a kid. Um, not because I was afraid that something was going to happen, but I was afraid that I would actually have to talk with someone. Um, so wasn't a huge fan of Halloween, but now watching my own kids do it, yeah, we we dress up, we we go the whole nine yards. So I'm getting ready to head out with them. You're afraid of talking to people. Yeah, I wasn't but, a huge fan of like oh, doors opening up and being like, hi, trick or treat, give me candy. I kind of felt guilty in a way. I guess at least with podcasting, you get to hide behind our microphone. Oh, are you kidding me? Podcasting is great. I get to talk to my computer the entire night. <laughs> it's a great way to communicate as an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I record it. I don't have to worry about it. It's done. And then it publishes. And then I can regret doing it. Well, I... I have done actually Doctor Who costumes before for Halloween. I've actually last year I wore uh, the eleventh Doctor to work, which was interesting because I don't typically dress like that, so I got a lot of questions. But yeah, I I remember that day. That not, was the day that I showed up with my Captain America mask. Yeah, so yeah, not too many people at, at my job get into the spirit of Halloween, but I do have a costume ready for tomorrow. <laughs> so well done, well done. I will, Should I uh, ask what it is? Sure. Um, yeah, well, so then I will ask, what is it? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go subtle again. You know, last year Doctor Who, you know, pretty normal clothes. So this year I'm actually gonna do Peter Parker. Nice. So well done. Full, you know, just regular clothes, but then I'll have the Spider-Man, you know, tights underneath the at least the shirt part. That's awesome. So <laughs> are you gonna carry around uh, your camera the yep. entire day? I'll carry around a camera. I'll have my big geeky glasses on. So yeah. That's awesome. Do it. Do it. P- Peter Parker. So. All right, well, uh, back to Doctor Who, though. So yeah. there's not there's not really, like we kind of always say, there's not really a lot of news going on right now, but there was something interesting that came out um, recently. I don't know if they came out today or, or if it was just earlier in the week, but there have finally been some images released from 
the new Terminator movie, which, why does this matter to Doctor Who fans? Well, that's where the 11th Doctor went. So we got kind of a first view of what Matt Smith is going to look like in this new Terminator movie. Yeah. Were you surprised by yes. his look? Yes, I was surprised. Um, kind of just going off of what we know of Matt Smith, um, his larger body of work. I know that he's had other roles here and there, but seriously, you ask about Matt Smith, and vast majority of people are going to automatically associate it with a happy-go-lucky doctor from Doctor Who. W- looking at the images, though, that have shown up, um, I mean, he's he's wearing camo, has a flak jacket on. He has the um, flag on his arm representing representing the U.S. and carrying some heavy firearms. So, yeah, completely, completely surprised at some of these images that have come out. Um, I'm kind of got my hopes up. I'm really hoping that he's not typecast moving forward and he can enjoy his run in other films. Yeah, I'm having a hard time like <laughs> distancing him from the character of the Doctor, um, where he plays this quirky, you know, kind of geeky, goofy type of character. And I don't know, like you can't you can't really tell too much from these images. But like you said, he's in military garb, he's carrying a gun, and they even have a picture of him, you know, firing the weapon with you know he's he's yelling as he's firing. Um, kind of an intimidating look on his face. I have a hard time taking him seriously as a soldier. Yeah, I, I, I think he's he's always going to be ingrained as my, in my head as the Doctor. And if he played other roles in movies that were you know similar, I think my brain could handle it. But right now, I'm having a hard time with this one. I, the only question that's left. Well, no, there's a lot of questions left unanswered. But one question that I really want to know is how long he's going to last. Is he just like a character that's going to last maybe 20, 30 minutes of the film and then he's done and then it's like, okay, yeah, we can believe that. Or is he going to be hardcore um, all the way to the end of the movie? I That's one thing I want to know because the way that they have him in the, prom- the promo pictures, um, like you said, firing his weapon, screaming it looks like as he's doing it not only that but it's a rifle and he's going one-handed with the rifle so it's not like he's trying to do it all good and proper he's going pretty crazy with it i'm interested to see once the movie hits how long he how long he lasts yeah it looks like they're focusing on about four different characters here in these promo picks so i'm thinking this is kind of the main cast these are probably the the characters we're going to be following Throughout the movie, um, I'm going to say that he probably, you know, he's going to be a main player, so he'll probably last for most of the movie. Um, But you never know. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) And it looks like, is Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie? Yeah, he's he's in it. I guess um, rumor has it that one of the older Terminator models um, is actually protecting carter's mom if i'm remembering correctly and so arnold makes his cameo there uh and they they aged up his outer shell for whatever reason yeah i think something along those lines it's (laughs) gonna be interesting to see what they do there oh man all right well there literally isn't really much else for us to talk about Um, and that's why we just talked about terminator so yeah there (laughs) is um you know there's some information about the next episodes coming up tonight we're going to be reviewing in the forest of the night 
but the you know the big finale, the the two part finale is coming up after that, and so we will save that stuff till after we review in the Forest of the Night. So we will be talking about that a little after, um, just to to let you listeners know. Just if you, to geek a little bit. If you want, yeah, if you want to hear us talk about that stuff, kind of maybe a little bit spoilerific type things. Make sure you listen um, beyond our review of In the Forest tonight because we will be discussing some things. But let's get into the In the Forest of the Night. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, I will put it as a blooper. <laughs> Go ahead and sing. No, no, no. As you heard, my voice cracked. I'm, I think I'm <laughs> done with that one. Uh, series 8, Episode 10, writer Frank Cottrell Boyce and director Cherie Folkson. Am I correct in that this is a first for both of these people? That's correct. Yeah, the, the first Doctor Who episode. I'm going to say right off the bat, I liked Frank Cottrell Boyce's writing. Awesome. This was one of the better episodes, I think, of the season as far as dialogue for the Doctor specifically. Um, I was very happy with with the way the doctor acted um, throughout this, throughout the episode. Um, it seems like he's been a little bit back and forth. I, I think not all the writers so far have gotten the same voice for him. I don't know if you've noticed that at all. I, I would say that because of this episode, um, I, I agree just kind of thinking back after watching this episode and then thinking back over the past couple of episodes, the, the the entire series, yeah, I would agree that it doesn't seem like there's been a unified approach to how who this doctor is, or even even what the doctor believes about himself. Yeah, but okay, so this episode, the main plot, I guess you could say, is that the entire Earth has been covered in trees overnight. The entire Earth, the entire Earth, including the water, which is something that. <laughs> Uh, was pointed out to me on my rewatch tonight um, that the water even had trees in it. So I, I didn't even pick that pick up on that the first time I watched it. But I was like, oh yeah, the entire Earth was green, not just the continents. Yeah, everything everything went green overnight. But yeah, interesting. Um, we have the scene at the very beginning with this this uh, young girl um, who ends up going to the TARDIS and. The doctor lets her in, which is one thing that's really sticking out to me this season is it seems like it's pretty easy to get on the TARDIS. <laughs> it feels like like in past seasons, I always felt like, you know, getting on the TARDIS was kind of special. It almost was like a, you know, companion level. Like once you step foot on the TARDIS, you could technically be considered a companion, even if right. it was only once. Right. But now I'm just like, oh, with this doctor, there's – and it's like a lot of kids, you know, but – yeah, they're just letting everybody on the TARDIS. It's not special yeah. anymore. We've had convicts. We've had uh, cranky old men. We've had teenagers. We've had little kids. We've had – well, no, they're not even little kids, which they're grade 8, which they seemed much younger than grade 8, but that's beside the point. Yeah, everybody's welcome on board the TARDIS. It's an open door. The doctor makes a joke that you have to have an appointment to to talk with the doctor, and then he's just like, ah, uh, come on in. And one of the, the one of the funny lines I thought of the episode was when she was kind of she was on the TARDIS with him and something in the TARDIS wasn't working right and he was saying something about uh, what did he say that's that's the trouble with being the last of your kind no one to ask when your TARDIS breaks down yeah <laughs> so that was a pretty good line there 
that that entire interaction I thought was really special. Like from the moment she walks through the door, and the doctor makes the comparison to uh, a glass of Coke, which I thought was just like that. That's perfect to me. He's like, uh, you drink a glass of Coke, and it's this this size, and he like motions with his hand to the size of a uh, a cup of Coke, and he's like, but the sugar in it is this much. Um, it's there's more of it on the inside. It's bigger on the inside. Um, but then Maeve, the little girl, she's not all that like surprised. She's not acting like she's surprised, and he makes the comment of like it's bigger on the inside, and she's like, yeah, that's what I was kind of exp- like. I I thought that's what it should have been or how it should be. So I didn't really feel like it was worth pointing out or something yeah. like that. That's just what it should have been. It, it's doing what it was expected to be, or it is what it's expected to be by you at least. So I figured it wasn't worth bringing up. So you thought the whole sugar in the Coke thing was a, a, actually a good explanation as to bigger on the inside. I don't know if it's a good explanation <laughs> as to bigger on the inside. I thought it was a funny way for the doctor to like describe it to a little kid. Yeah, I was like, when he was explaining it, I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> but it, it completely caught me off guard, and I thought it was enjoyable. I thought the best explanation I've ever heard was actually the fourth doctor. Um, and I don't remember, I can't even remember now exactly how he explained it, but he had a pretty good explanation. Um, I'll have to see if I can find that audio clip. So, explain to me how this... TARDIS is larger on the inside than the out. Hmm? All right, I'll show you. It's because insides and outsides are not in the same dimension. Which box is larger? That one. Now, which is larger? one but it looks smaller well that's because it's further away exactly if you could keep that exactly that distance away and have it here the large one would fit inside a small one that's silly that's transdimensional engineering a key time lord discovery it is a it is an interesting idea and uh, the doctor hasn't really explained it too many times in the in the series yeah it's it's kind of been just expected i guess so we were kind of talking about the kids uh a lot of kids this episode specifically but just this season in general seems to be kind of a, a running theme that you know these young kids are you know either on the tardis or you know with the doctor it, it's been in a lot of episodes yeah it makes sense we have two teachers that are somewhat the primary focus for for the series we have Clara and we have Danny so their involvement with a school kids tend to show up a little bit more in that way what has been surprising like you already mentioned though is how much the doctor has been involved with them um, as the caretaker and kind of get involved in the the class discussion that one time when he's peeking through the window and telling her she's doing it wrong but now even with the um, the kids just kind of jumping on board the TARDIS a yeah, lot of kids. A lot of kids. But I, I remember when I saw the previews for this, and I remember I think I said something in the last episode of Bad Wolf Radio, was that the preview didn't have me too excited. And one of the reasons was the kids. I just, you know, I, I'm fine with kids being in television shows, but I can get a bit tired of it. Um, and I was kind of worried about that 
for this episode, but I was pleasantly surprised the kids that were in this one didn't really bother me that much. I'm they, so glad to hear you say that. I I liked the characters that they had. I liked the I thought they were funny. The the little girl um that was, you know, we'll get to it, but in communication with the trees, you know, I thought that girl did a great job in her acting. Um the little red-headed girl that was kind of making up you know, thinking everybody was going to die all the time. <laughs> I thought she was funny. Like there was she, just, she was the highlight, like not the highlight of the entire episode, but out of all the children that were involved, Ruby, the little red haired girl who didn't have an imagination, who brought up the, started talking about reproduction and Claire got a little bit worried there. And then she's like of trees. <laughs> she, I, I just thought that she was a great addition to the episode. Um, Something I read just said like, she had a limited amount of time being on the TARDIS and she made the most of it. She did everything she could to make the most of her time being on Doctor Who in the episode. And I think she did a great job. She was funny. She's a, she's a child character. I would be okay with if they brought her back. Um, Courtney, not so much, but this one, I I think she was funny. I liked the other kid, the one that had the uh, anger management issues. (laughs) I thought the the line where he said something about she was what she was what the little girl was doing was stressing him out. Yeah, stressing he, me out. And I, getting stressed out, and he forgets his anger management techniques. There. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the kids actually were a nice addition. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's I. It added quite a bit to the episode. I'm really glad that I was worried, like you were. Um, number one, I thought Courtney was going to show up, and I thought that was going to Oof. throw the episode for a loop for me. She didn't show up, and in fact, we got a an entire group of kids that weren't punkish, really. They were the gifted and talented grade 8 of Coal Hill Elementary School, and they were – I enjoyed having them there. Could I take a steady diet of them? Probably not, but if they were to show up here and there, sure. I'd be more than happy to see them again. So we got the return of Danny Pink. And we've seen him in other episodes, you know, recently, just clips. You know, he's kind of on the phone or whatever. But this is a full-on appearance, I would say. Yeah, we we find out a little bit more about him. But I got to say, we're drawn towards the end of it. And I still feel like we know nothing about who he is or how he became the person that he is. It's all very veiled. I will... Go ahead. I have a question. So in our last episode, we had mentioned that he was a companion. He was announced as a companion, but yet he has not really been a companion. Um, he is, he stepped foot on the TARDIS. He hasn't really traveled on the TARDIS yet, I don't believe. Um, so I don't think we could elevate, elevate him to companion status in my mind. But we had a listener actually contact us and say that when he was announced, he wasn't announced as a companion, um, just as a character on the show. So am I wrong? I thought they used the word companion when they announced him. That when they announced him, they they called him a recurring character. That said, like, right, it was like the day that the first episode showed, um, they did confirm that he was, in fact, a companion. And he even came out and said a few things as far as like how excited he was to be considered a companion. So yeah, when they first, when we first got the 
the promo pics of him, he was just a recurring character. And that's where all the rumors were flying around. Is he the master? Um, <laughs> is he is he actually the doctor? Like, who is he? But then as time drew on, as we got closer, and I'm thinking that it was like the week of um, the first episode, they confirmed Danny Pink as a companion. Um, but now I'm I'm hmm. seeing if I can dig back up that. that so what in your article. mind, what in your mind makes someone a companion? What are the kind of the, the rules of that term? Do you have rules in your mind of, of a Doctor Who companion? It, it For a lot of it, I think it goes by feeling. But that, that said, I, I don't think Danny, he doesn't qualify as a companion. A companion is someone who's on the TARDIS and actually travels with the doctor and i don't think one trip is enough to call you a companion which danny hasn't even had that i think there's a little bit more of a relationship that goes on there i think there's a little bit more of a connection craig he's right on the verge of being a companion to me i don't think he's can technically be considered a companion because he hasn't really gone anywhere with the doctor but he's really close as being a recurring character to being a companion yeah, I kind of agree with what you just said about they have to have traveled with the Doctor at least once and probably more than once in my mind to be considered a companion. But I definitely kind of have levels of companions. I know we had, we've kind of talked about this in past episodes. But, like, you know, obviously the Doctor has their, their main companion. Each Doctor, you know, kind of has a main companion that I would say, you know, in the modern series we're talking about Rose and Martha, Donna, Amy – um and clara you know those to me are like the main companions and then there's like secondary companions which would be kind of the you know the boyfriends (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like you know mickey rory um i would even consider river a secondary companion um yeah so in my mind danny pink nowhere near the level of companion uh I, i wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if he does become a companion, but he's got to at least get a, a few trips under his belt, I think. Yeah, and I am seriously starting to wonder if that will ever happen. If yeah. he will ever get some trips under his belt or if he's just he is never going anywhere. Yeah, I'm still I'm still on the fence about this character. I don't know if I like him yet. Like I really want to like him and I like I've liked his characterization more in the last couple appearances. I did like him in this episode. Um, but I still have issues with with him and Clara. Uh, just their whole relationship is just so shady. And he's just too, he's too nice for her. He's, he's too nice of a guy for her. <laughs> she, she, he deserves someone better. Here we are, like two episodes left of the season. And we've been waiting this entire time to figure out who Danny is. And outside of what we found about about him in the first couple episodes that he was in, we know – I don't feel like we know anything in addition to that. He's a nice guy who has gone through a lot of trauma to the point where he's kind of just found out who he is as an individual and he's kind of happy with that. But he's not going to go – do anything extraordinary like anything out of the ordinary i feel like that's all we know other than he has some weird things going on with clara that he's trying to draw her back and kind of keep her keep her with him 
Yeah. I guess it took Rory a little bit of time to kind of come around and become a deeper character. Um, and he kind of started out a bit pathetic. And I think Danny is kind of more in that vein. He started out a little, you know, I don't like to use the word pathetic. It just sounds so bad. But, you know, he just didn't seem like that strong of a character. But, you know, who knows? If he sticks around for multiple seasons, there could be some, there could be some more character growth to go for this guy. Yeah, and Rory had the whole comedic element going for him when he first got started. So yeah, he wasn't a deep character. He didn't have uh, that initial draw to him, but he had some funny moments. He had that type of interaction going for him that made it a little bit easier just to be like, okay, he's just a funny addition to the show. Danny, you feel like he's supposed to be so much more than what he is. And you feel like we should know a lot more about who he is by this point in time, but we still don't know anything. The season's almost done. Well, Rory doesn't do front flips over robots and <laughs> scare away tigers with flashlights. So Very true. He Very just, true. He would just wait outside of the Pandorica for thousands of years. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, enough about Danny Pink. Um, yeah, so we have these trees that are everywhere, and the doctor is kind of confused, doesn't know what's going on, doesn't think the TARDIS is in the right place at first, um, and is trying to figure out, you know, how do these trees just pop up overnight? And they they have a scene where the little girl breaks off a branch, and they see that there's no rings in the trees. So there's no indication that they, you know, like normal trees, there's a ring for every year, I guess. Um, and these trees don't have any rings. So the doctor is kind of on a mission to figure out what's going on here, um, what's, where are these trees coming from and what does that mean for the earth? Yeah. And on the flip side we have, so Maeve finds her way to the TARDIS, but then we have, uh, Clara and Danny chaperoning a sleepover at the museum of their eighth grade students. And they find themselves trying to exit the museum and they happen to find that they are blocked in, finally push open the door there's all the trees, and so Clara does what every companion would do and calls the doctor. Yeah, I like I like how she's all excited about telling the doctor this. You know, she thinks she's you know she's found something that is going to be exciting to the doctor. So she's like, "Oh, I can't wait to tell you," and he's already seen it. And right. he, he has no problem just kind of raining on her parade. Like, yep. <laughs> Are you talking about the trees? Yeah, I saw them first. Not only that, but he also has one of the children that the maths teacher lost. Yes. Yep. But um, yeah, so speaking of, I think her name was Maeve. Yes. Interesting name for a little girl. Yeah, I kind of like it. It sounds very British. Yeah. But yeah, so Maeve um, is the lost little girl. And kind of cool, I thought it was a nice um, idea that they had her wearing a red jacket. She's lost yep. in the forest. There's wolves at one point. It was kind of a nice little Red Riding Hood type. Um, I'm thinking they did it on purpose, but um, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I picked up on that. I feel like they had to do it on purpose just the way that they focused on it. Uh, in some of the scenes where she was running, all you could see was her Red Hood slash jacket thing. Yes, and uh, so yeah, she ends up in the TARDIS, and she ends up being a really big part of this episode. She's kind of the, the catalyst for some things that happen, but... Um, one thing that the doctor realizes or the doctor sees in her, her school notebook 
is that the solar flare is headed toward Earth. So the doctor, I guess, takes that pretty seriously, this little girl drawing a picture of a solar flare um, and sees that kind of as a red flag as something that might actually happen. <laughs> the perfectly drawn picture of the angry sun with a lightning bolt coming at it uh, yeah. from the Earth. No, no scribbles, no eraser, nothing. Um, yeah, it seems like a pretty good sign. Yeah, but um, yeah, interesting. You know, interesting storyline here is that that the Earth is about to be destroyed, and there's really nothing the Doctor thinks he can do about it. Um, which leads to some interesting, you know, things, interesting interactions between him and Clara, um, and what decisions they make, kind of based on that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I know we're kind of jumping around the episode here, but it was interesting to me that, you know, the doctor, he thinks the earth's going to die. Um, Clara is kind of like, wait, you know, this can't happen because we've been to the future. We've seen, you know, the earth survive this. And he was basically saying that earth, the, the, the past is going to change. Yeah. Gray area. So apparently all the... Apparently all the fixed points in time that happen after this don't matter. <laughs> but yeah, so that was interesting to me. And the fact that, you know, she's like, okay, well, the TARDIS is kind of like a lifeboat. You know, we can fit people in there and still save some of the human race. Um, makes sense. You know, the doctor would want to save people. But then when they get back to the TARDIS, and this is what was a little baffling to me, she basically tells the doctor, you know what? just go without us, you know, these kids need their families or these kids need their mommies. Um, and you can't really, you know, you shouldn't take them with you on the TARDIS. And then he's like, well, I can save you. And she's like, no, don't take me either. Um, what did you think about kind of that decision that Clara was making for the entire human race um, <laughs> that they didn't want to, to live on? I mean, if he had taken those kids, you know, he could have, you know, they could have repopulated another planet. Um, the TARDIS is pretty big on the inside. I don't even think they could have taken more than those kids. They could have gone out and found hundreds of people probably. All the missing people who didn't happen to be out on the streets or trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> right. But um, I mean, I knew the solar flare was coming, but I feel like they had enough time. They could have They could have done something. I thought that was an interesting uh, decision on Clara's part. Yeah, I definitely an interesting decision. That said, it's also one of those ones where taking a step back. I mean, you might be keying in on something really huge where the past couple episodes we had Clara learning how to make these decisions when there was no good decision to make. And was this just another one of those instances? Who knows? But taking 12 little kids on a TARDIS and basically being like, yeah, I saved you and we let all your parents die. I don't know if that would have been the most pleasant experience either. Um, the and I alternative think she... is the end of the human race. Like, <laughs> Bring them with you. <laughs> like uh, they will get over it, and they will, <laughs> you know, take them to another planet. The doctor can go anywhere he wants. Take them to another planet that can, you know, support human life. And there's boys and girls in that group. They will repopulate the the new planet. <laughs> like <laughs> just because they want their mommies, you're gonna let the human race end. I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was an odd, odd decision. Yeah. It I I liked the exchange though. I liked the whole reference to the you walk you walk our earth, you breathe our air that the doctor makes of himself saying this is my planet too. And then Claire say, "Yeah, and we and we thank you for helping us out. Now get going." Go save um, another one. Yeah, it was 
I thought it was a I thought it was a great exchange. It made for I guess a good... you could I guess you could nitpick the whole idea of just letting the human race end and be done there, but I don't know. That that didn't cross my mind at that point in time. <laughs> it made for a nice interaction between Claire and the Doctor. And, you know, obviously the human race wasn't really ending. Um but the fact that they thought it was about to end and they were willing to let it end, um just so kids could see their parents. I, yeah. <laughs> Hard for me to take. Um, but yeah, so I had mentioned the wolves. Yeah. Were you, were you uh, disappointed at all that there was a use of wolves in Doctor Who, but no mention of bad wolf? <laughs> <laughs> um, we kind of got the uh, slight head nod to the big bad wolf chasing a little red riding hood. I, I just took it at face value. I, I think I was more focused on the whole Little Red Riding Hood motif that they had going on there without much thinking of where's the spray-painted bus that says Bad Wolf as they're running through. Yeah, I thought it would have been kind of cool if there was just like a little nod or if he had even just said the words Bad Wolf, like when the wolves were <laughs> you know up at that gate and kind of growling at him. If he like kind of just like nervously like said, oh, Bad Wolf, you know, or something like that, I thought it would have been kind of a funny... Uh, nod to that recurring element of Doctor Who. They only do that with classic stuff right now. That's I, I don't think Bad Wolf is that is enough of a classic. They're they're doing a really good job at making mentions like that and pulling things in, um, but I think Bad Wolf might be still a little almost, too new for them to start doing that. It's almost been ten years since uh, the first instance of Bad Wolf, so but only a few a few months since uh, the fiftieth. True. True. Um. But yeah, so we have the wolves. There was a tiger. We kind of mentioned earlier Danny Pink uh, saving the day with his flashlight. Um, interesting, interesting scene. I guess he he is he he was having just the time of his life this episode, like f- using his mad flashlight skills to scare away the tiger. I don't think I've ever seen him look happier. And then his comment about like the students are increasing in unity and energy. And he was just like in his element doing his whole marching thing as they're marching back to the TARDIS. Danny was Danny was having just a grand old time in the forest of the night. <laughs> yeah, he was entertaining to watch. I, I like the actor a lot. I know I've, I've been ragging on the character a little bit, but I, I do like the actor. And um, I think... Uh, I think this episode specifically, he was he was fun to watch. But yeah. Kind of, uh, so what ends up happening is we have this this girl, we had mentioned Maeve, and uh, they mentioned in the, the episode that she needs to take medication. Um, and one of the things that she, that happens is she kind of like waves her arms around. It seems kind of like a nervous tick or something. But the doctor is looking at it and thinking, no, there's more to it. She's trying to tell us something. And they go on to find out, you know, based the doctor, she says, uh, what is she kind of describing what she's seen, I guess. Yeah. And the doctor realizes all the that, thoughts. Right. And the doctor and I think even um, Clara kind of says, are you seeing something we can't see? And then the doctor changes something with the gravity. And all of a sudden we have these fireflies or glow bugs or whatever <laughs> um, glow bug alien tree things. But yeah, so we have this. The explanation here that there are these creatures that are communicating with her, or the forest is communicating her, with her through the creatures. Did you, were you wrapping your head around it? I think the creatures were responsible for the forest. Um, 
and okay. they were commuting the creatures were communicating with her now i had a really hard time now once they once the doctor got them to speak yeah through the girl which was creepy because yeah they did a you, really good job with that effect anytime you have like the double voice effect and one of the voices is his child's voice yeah that's really creepy that's yeah. like <laughs> that's like horror movie stuff but um i had a really hard time understanding the voice um I couldn't tell what they were saying. I know you have subtitles. So you I was going to say, once again, closed captioning comes in handy. So, we're, I mean, I think I got the gist of it. They were kind of saying, you know, we come when we're needed. There's something about a solar flare. Was there <laughs> anything more to it, like, that was very important that I missed? No, I mean, that's the gist of it. It was essentially, like... And a lot of these moments where you find out that there's something else going on, there's always the whole like monologue of we were here before you. Um, there was there was some pretty good lines in there. Like they said that they were the green shoots in the cracks. They were the grass over the graves and just like things like that, basically establishing they've been here longer than anybody else has. They've been a part of this earth so much longer Um and they're the ones that they'll be here even when everything else is over. When everything else passes on, they will still be here, which led the doctor to believe that they actually that they had evil intent. Right. Um, because they had they they were talking, but then they also mixed in a few things where because he was using like he created more gravity and slowed them down so that they couldn't be doing what they were normally doing. They threw in like you're hurting us and pain and all sorts of other words breaking up their sentences. So, yeah, but it it was a pretty, pretty cool exchange. So did you get the impression that these were aliens that had come to Earth or were they were they something that already lives on Earth and only, you know, comes around when we need them? I think they already, like, they live on Earth. And are all trees, like, part of them? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was the only thing I was confused about, is if it was like, okay, this is basically what creates, you know, plants on our planet all the time, or if it was just aliens that show up when we need extra plants. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to figure it out. But, yeah. Um, And the doctor, you know, we kind of... We kind of already talked about the part where he decides to run away and not save anybody, but he quickly just he quickly realizes that he missed a detail, and he yes. he actually realizes that the trees are not there to destroy the earth; they're not there to you know hurt us, but they're actually there to protect us because with the extra oxygen that they're producing, it creates a extra layer uh, airbag, I think he used to describe it, around the Earth. So when the solar flare comes, the extra oxygen will help dissipate it and it will only do minor damage, but the human race will be saved. Yes. Which I thought was cool. Like a kind of a cool... I wasn't expecting that. It was a nice twist because they had you convinced that the trees were bad, but actually they're there to help us and, you know, the doctor figures it out. So I like that. I like that element of the story. Yeah, and they he even mentions um so when he gives the explanation to everybody else cuz after 
after he has his moment and he calls himself Dr. Idiot, he runs out of the TARDIS, gathers everybody up, brings them in the TARDIS, which I thought this part was awesome when he's like giving the explanation and he's like, I assumed your teachers had told you about this because all the kids are looking at him like, we're going to die. Um, and Clara says, well, I thought it would ruin our walk. So she wasn't even going to tell him that they were going to die, which that's another thing that you might have a problem with. She lied to them and said that the trees were flame proof. <laughs> they so were fireproof. The trees were? Yeah. Well, they, she didn't know that. N- no. She didn't know about the airbag effect. She she was just lying to them to make them feel better, which is a doctor thing to do. <laughs> but I guess she, you know, we learned in the last episode, she she has adopted some of his techniques. So yeah, she, she makes a good like, doctor. Let's go hang out in, you know, these flame-proof trees, which what, shouldn't she be taking them back to their parents? Wasn't that what she was going to do? She knew that they couldn't make it back there in time. <laughs> So, so the doctor mentions like two events, um, yeah, that occurred. Those were like two legitimate events. I wondered about that. I th- I was like, okay, is this a, in the Doctor Who world? These things happened, or in 1908, was there really a solar flare that was deflected by tree aliens? The, in, in 1908 or 1903 or whatever, there was a air burst caused by an asteroid in Upper Russia that knocked over like hundreds of thousands of trees and like major cataclysmic event but because it's up north in russia and no one lives there nothing bad happened but then there was also like something in 1930 that happened in brazil that set a forest on fire for like months similar occurrence um and then there was like they said and then minor things like what happened back in 2013 so last year with the whole comet or asteroid that hit russia and blew out windows and all that jazz that everybody had like their dashboard cameras of but yeah he mentioned like legitimate events that actually happened and they had like huge things and trees knocked over but then the planet survived huh interesting but yeah so that's basically what happens in this episode too yeah it's that's you know a simple solution Trees. We love really, trees. The doctor didn't really have to do anything. He just no. he, he figured out what was going to happen, but he didn't save the day, uh, which is kind of a different type of story for Doctor Who. Um, the Earth saved itself, and the doctor really wasn't needed. Um, the other element of this story that I thought was interesting was that Danny Pink does finally realize that Claire has been lying to him. Yeah, and he doesn't seem all that broken up by it. It's Danny. That's his style. Like he just he's cool. Like she can she can lie to him all she wants as long as as long as I guess she eventually tells him the truth, he's not gonna be upset. But, <laughs> which is why she keeps taking advantage of him. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting, you know, she because of the school book I think that he found and the date and he realized that she was on there on a Friday and she said she wasn't with him, you know, he figures out that she's been traveling with him. And, you know, he says, oh, what does he say? Today you thought the world was going to end and you still didn't tell me the truth, Um, which is pretty harsh. But like you said, he didn't seem that upset. Yeah. And in fact, when she's like, "Okay, I want to make this right. And he's like, well, no, go get your grading done and talk to me later. (laughs) Yeah. Do it on your own time. I know, right? So, yeah, that was that was interesting. And the part where she's like telling him, oh, don't you want to go see this, this event happen? And he's like, no big deal. Like, I don't really want to see it. And he kind of gives her the nice little like, you know, line. One person is more amazing than universes. 
and she's like, oh, who's that? And then they kiss, and it's like this romantic scene, and he says this great line, but then she still goes off and does it without him, <laughs> with the doctor. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if he's either like the if he just is that nice or if he's manipulative or if he has no clue of what's going on or what, but whatever it is, I don't think it's working all that well. I think, I think he is. I think he's genuinely that nice of a guy. And I don't think that's pretty, I mean, obviously that's just not that common, you know, for, for there to be a guy that's that nice and that would be just completely okay with getting walked all over. Um, but he is that guy, but you know, you've heard the, you know, the term that, you know, you can be too nice. He's too nice. Well, like, he's not even just getting walked all over. Like walked on all, all over is one thing, but like knowingly being lied to and just being like, oh, okay, that's cool. Just let me know whenever you're ready. That's cool. Maybe that's, we, maybe we that's could that's all different. learn a lesson from Danny Pink. I think you he know? needs an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that he, I, I think it's, yeah, he's too nice. It's not healthy. He's, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not good for him. It's not good for Clara. I think we need to have a good conversation with him and just let him know that enabling is not good. He's an enabler. That's what he is. But I like the line where the doctor is watching um, the solar flare about to hit. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, I hope I'm right. It'd be awkward if the world was destroyed at this point. Like it just—it's just funny how he, you know, he comes up with this idea, like, "Oh yeah, this this airbag effect, and it, you know, the Earth's gonna be fine." And then right at the last minute, he has a little bit of doubt, like, "Uh, I hope I'm right." Yeah, I absolutely loved that line because then Claire just like shoots him this look of, "What? What? What, what did you just say?" <laughs> yeah, it's just—it is. There is so much about this episode that seemed like. Not classic Doctor, but more of the Doctor that we've come to know. He wasn't so tough, lovish, gruff, abrasive type Doctor. He had those moments, but he was still very personable. He was still interacting really well with everybody. And I think that was one of those moments that it was like, ah, it's the Doctor. He's he's just like, oh, hope something bad doesn't happen here. But like... <laughs> It was the doctor. He wasn't mean and just for no reason angry at people. Yeah. I For the first time, I think in the entire series, I saw a little bit of Matt Smith in this doctor. And I definitely saw some David Tennant in this episode as well. Just different things that he did, um, ways that he kind of, you know, delivered lines or whatever. He's definitely channeling the last couple doctors. Um, yeah. And, and he's, the edginess is kind of wearing off a little bit. Yeah. So Frank Cottrell Boyce, you done good. Yes. I, I really enjoyed this episode as a whole. There wasn't anything really that I could sit and complain about. The only, the element kind of at the end where her kind of the side story for this little girl was that her sister had gone missing. Um, and she was hoping that her sister would come back. And they have this scene at the very end. It's literally, I think, the last scene of the episode. Yeah, it is. Where the the little girl is going back to her house with her mom, and there's this bush there, and then the bush disappears because all the you know plants were disappearing, and her sister was in the bush, which was kind of weird. Yeah, because it was I... just like a weird. I mean, I get that she probably came back home and maybe you know 
she obviously wasn't there the whole time, but it was just kind of a weird reveal of this, you know, this girl that had gone missing was hiding in this bush. Yeah, I don't know how to take it because it's like if she really wanted to be there, she could have been there without having a bush kidnapper and bring her back. And then well, if that... she didn't want to be there, she would have just taken off running again, like once the bush disappeared. I was very confused why the magic bush was able to make her happy to be there again. Did you think that so did you get the impression that the bush actually like transported her there or that she had just gone home on her own because she heard her sister's phone call and that she just decided to hide in the bush? Oh, you know what? That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> you, you just explained that part to me. Okay. She heard her sister's phone call, but then why would she just, need, I don't know. She said at the end of the phone call, she said for you know, her sister to come home. Yeah, I know. But so I, the I assume sister that... know that her sister wanted her to come home. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, you you might, you know, you run away from home. You're sometimes kind of, you just need a broadcasted phone yeah. call to, to you hear get your you little to sister say, oh, please come home. It's like, oh, you know what? I should go home. I'm going <laughs> to go hide in a bush. Yes. So <laughs> that was just a weird ending. Like that was the one thing that kind of stuck out in this episode that was just like, huh? But other than that, good episode. I really enjoyed it. We did get a Missy appearance. We did get a Missy appearance. She was slightly disappointed. She, I guess, maybe was hoping that the earth was going to get destroyed. I think that is the one conclusion that I've come to is that she wanted the earth destroyed because she likes dead people. <laughs> yeah, she would have gotten a lot more people. Although I don't know if every dead person comes to her place, but at least we've seen a few. Um, but yeah, so what did, I guess overall thoughts before we jump into our speculation for the next couple episodes. Overall thoughts, it felt very much um, like those episodes that we get sometimes with a Van Gogh episode where all of a sudden you get to a point where things slow down a bit, but it's not slowing down to the point that it's, it makes you wonder what's going on. It slows down to a point where you can sit back and enjoy what happened. And this episode definitely felt like it slowed down compared to the other episodes. But like you said, the, the interaction, the conversations, the dialogue that took place, what we were able to see about the doctor and his interactions, the kids were a plus to the episode, the the interactions between Danny and Clara, those were good. I really liked this episode, but not for the, like, it wasn't an action-packed on the edge of my seat episode. It was just a good story. Yeah. It was a, it was a very simple story. Um, it had, you know, some misdirection, which I always like when they do that with Doctor Who. Um like you said, I, I liked the the kids were a good element. Surprisingly, I liked the dialogue for the doctor. I liked the way the doctor was acting. I hope this is kind of the more normal that we get from this doctor, and they kind of shy away from the the super mean, angry doctor all the time. Um, yeah, as on a whole, this was a this was a positive for me. I you know I really liked it. I agree. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit just about kind of what's coming up. I know there's. There's been some speculation out there. I know you've been following it. I watched the trailers that they've released. What are you thinking about these uh, these next couple episodes that are coming up? That's the problem. I have no idea what I'm thinking about these episodes. I'm I'm very intrigued to see what's happening. We've had the character of Missy show up quite a bit throughout this se- series. Not as often as I thought we would see her. 
But when she showed up, it was like, okay, yeah, they're still building something here. And from everything that I'm reading, this is where we find out who she is. This is where we're going to get a little bit more. No, we're not going to get a little bit more. We're going to know what character she is in Doctor Who. So you think she's not just Missy? I don't think somebody from his past, maybe, or like, do you think that she is going to be a character we are already aware of? Or do you think she's going to be a new character? And I think the doctor is already aware of. That's the big question. The trailers that they've come out with definitely make it seem like she is a character. The doctor knows the doctor. It might take a little bit of explanation, but the doctor will know who she is, which Makes you wonder, has her appearance changed? Is she a Time Lord of some sort? Has she regenerated? Is she just an older version of someone that the Doctor already knows? But the Doctor is going to know who she is. Does that mean that we will know who she is? I have absolutely no idea. I think that's the big question that everybody's pondering right now. There are a lot of fan theories out there as far as who she is. Um, some that seem just completely off the wall. Some have said that she's Susan. Some people have said that she's the doctor's daughter. Um, and then some that seem to have some roots and some real plausibility. And then one that I think is just fun. Someone said that, uh, we know that the doctor had a wife at some point outside of river. He had a granddaughter, Susan, um, so someone went as far as to say that Missy's going to actually be the doctor's first wife that we've never met before, um, and she's come back to take her revenge. But just just a lot of crazy, fun, interesting theories flying around there. Um, really looking forward to seeing what's going on, and rumor has it that we won't have to wait much longer than just the first part of the two-part episode to find out who she is. The other thing that stuck out to me in the trailer was um, Clara. They had the one trailer where Clara was actually being um, bad. Like she was being mean to the doctor. Yeah. Uh, and she even says the line, I was never, or Clara never existed. Yeah. Um, I, Clara that, was never here in the first place or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, you know, what? why would Clara be acting that way toward the doctor? Is she under some kind of mind control? Is is it not really Clara, somebody that's acting like her? I don't know. It's it's definitely an interesting element. Yeah. So the one thing about that scene that kind of sticks out is that if you look at who she's talking to, she's talking to the only other character in that scene or in that, I don't know, in that frame would be a Cyberman. So now could the Cyberman be like surrounding the doctor? possibly and maybe she is directing it at him but i'm wondering if there might if it might be directed at someone else if that makes yeah i you're right there was the scene where she was talking to the cyberman but i thought there i thought for sure there was a scene where she was kind of saying something to the doctor about you're never going to get inside the tardis again oh yeah there's definitely that scene (laughs) okay yeah so yeah it's it's very interesting and you brought up the cyberman they haven't really put the cyberman in the trailers in any in any big form so i'm almost wondering if the cybermen are kind of a very side element to this you know they might make an appearance but not necessarily the main uh baddie yeah so a few other things do you mind me throwing them out oh no man go ahead 
Yeah, so the new trailer, well, the trailer that they posted on the 27th starts out with a scene of a volcano. Um, so immediately brings to mind, I mean, Capaldi is tied very heavily to a volcano. It's obviously there's more volcanoes. Lava can come from other places, but it would make a lot of sense that it is Pompeii. Maybe here is where we find out um, how Moffat's going to tie Capaldi's face in with why he's already shown up in Doctor Who somewhere. Um, And then we have some potential of unit being back. So we haven't seen them since the 50th. But we do have the character from unit who has the inhaler from the 50th anniversary episode. And she's kind of shown up in a trailer um, so it's going to be interesting to see how unit plays in and whether the doctor still likes soldiers or still doesn't like soldiers with unit kind of going full bore again. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a pretty interesting two part finale. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm definitely stoked. We haven't had a two part in a while and I, I was always a huge fan of two part episodes. I really liked what they were able to do with cutting off halfway through the larger story that they were able to develop and then the way that they were able to kind of formulate the episodes. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, And it's a great weekend for us to get something a little bit darker. True. All right. Well, once again, Adam, always fun talking Doctor Who with you. Heck yes. So we will wrap up this episode As usual, you can leave us a review on iTunes. If you listen to our podcast and you enjoy it, we would love for you to go over to iTunes and let us know. Uh, Give us a nice little five-star review, and we would really appreciate it. You can also even take a four-star review. Yeah, well, whatever, whatever your honest opinion is, we'll take. But you know, (laughs) the five-star ones are definitely uh, our favorite type. But you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Wolf Podcast, Facebook. Look for us, Bad Wolf Radio. We're the ones with the black and white logo, and you can send us feedback anytime at our email address, badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, later days!